T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. He's Matt Johnson and he's next. And now, from the legendary Studio B, so you're in Seattle with Gregor. This year, the Seattle Sounders have a different approach to how they'll handle their broadcast presence, splitting the action for the first time between radio and television, a dedicated person for each. Huh. Matt Johnson is the dude I first met back when the Seahawks and Sounders organizations were both under the same incredible roof down at VMAC. Well, for 2016, Matt took out a new challenge of covering the radio portion of live soccer commentating, and there's a lot that goes into that. The Sounders FC broadcast team had you on board at one point already, Matt, and that was for a pre-match, halftime, post-match radio host for like five or six years on top of all your duties that you were doing already with the Seahawks. So it can't feel like it's that new of an experience. You must already know some of it. Yeah, yeah. Know some of it. Know some of the more uh, some of the people, more importantly. Yeah. So uh, now I'm just going to do just that. That's so incredible. just hang out there instead of the VMAC. It's great to have you in, man, especially during cookie season. I love the uh, Girl Scout cookies everywhere. You do? Oh, man. It's- I'm gaining so I mean and then the poor little girls at QFC and, and Safeway they don't know that I've already bought 10 boxes and you just look at them and like okay five more yeah, let's just keep them coming. Five come more. on! I think that it's also <laughs> when it's actually raining outside, they like to set up outside because then yeah. you're like, oh man, that mom and kid are being rained on. Yeah. I gotta buy another box. Yeah. It's, uh, is mom single? I yeah. asked the uh, <laughs> asked the PR director at the uh, at the Girl Scouts. I was like, do you feel bad that just as we're getting through the holidays and we're finally done, ready to work off some of that extra sweets and stuff that we had, that you show up with cookies? And she looks at me cold and goes, not at all. No. I was like, oh, how dare it's you? called strategy. It's nice that it's uh, at the same time. As the soccer season kicks back off for Seattle, that I, I can associate those two things positively together. So. Amen. Samoas. No, no, see, I'm a I'm a thin mint and tag along guy. I I've always had a aversion to coconut. okay, but my ver- my theory is, would you actually say no to the other if it came up to you? Hell no. No, that's the thing. Yeah. People at work are like, oh no, I only eat. Some-. No, you don't. No, come no, on. No, you don't. You eat them all. Yeah. You just have favorites. Uh, that's all. I do love a thin mint out of the oh. freezer. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So Matt, I um, we've gone back and forth a million times before because you used to work at the Seahawks, mm-hmm. um, and the Sounders and the Seahawks were under the same roof. And you helped with a when this whole thing started, where Ross Fletcher and I were doing broadcasting. You were the one that kind of linked those things together. What was your yeah. what was your gig at the Seahawks for those eleven years you worked? So there? I produced and oversaw both the broadcasts, so both the Sounders and the Seahawks. So for the Sounders, I was lucky enough to be on the air while I kind of oversaw everything. So yeah. I, I think I answered to myself. I, I'm not <laughs> sure how I just. Explain that, uh, but then the same thing for the Seahawks. So I was producing it and organizing it, and you know how that goes, scripting it and getting the talent to settle down and, and things like that. So yeah, so from the very beginning, I worked with Kevin Calabro and Arlo White, and obviously Ross Fletcher, and and now I'm in that position. So it was over one roof, and then in uh, I think the spring of '14, they separated, and the Sounders are down at Pioneer Square, and Seahawks are still at the VMAC, obviously, and 
And uh, so at 16, here I am with the Sounders. What was that split like when that happened? And you you went uh, Seahawks, obviously, at the time. Yeah. What, for one more year, I did both. So for 14, I, I still did both. And then for 15, it was kind of like, well... You're, you're a Seahawk employee, yeah. and so you know it was just honest, honest conversations, and and uh, and so there wasn't really a spot for me with the Sounders at the time, so I stuck with the NFL, which sure. a lot of people do. It's it's an amazing organization, not only the Seahawks, but working in the NFL is uh, not only cla- a class act, but it's a great opportunity. It's it's really cool the things you get to do, and uh, then uh, the Sounders came to me late last year and offered me something that I just I really couldn't refuse. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear that the food at VMAC is incredible. It's unbelievable. Mac <laughs> McNabb, the chef, and Stu, and Ernesto, and and uh, Pedro. Uh, it's it's amazing. Now, the weird thing is, is I've actually lost weight <laughs> since, <laughs> since leaving there because, I mean, the food is awesome. You eat what the players eat, so obviously uh, they're looking out for them. Uh, but every High calorie day, diets yeah, and stuff. Yeah, well, to... no, I mean, every day there's a hot meal and there's a, a fresh salad bar and a sandwich bar that, that uh, Rudy's ready to make you a sandwich every single day. So it's <sighs> it's awesome. And breakfast. Don't forget breakfast. Oh, man. So, We've got uh, free coffee here. That's, yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. No comment. You, no comment. <laughs> you, you know, you got to take what you can get. But yeah, the food over there is great, but... Uh, but uh, that's just one of the things I miss. The facilities for the uh, for the Sounders now in Pioneer Square are fantastic. It's a beautiful place. That that upstairs is so neat. The ninety is really cool too. Yeah. Is your office now based out of the? Yeah, yep. I'm office? right above the ninety. I'm right there on what is it? First and Jackson, and not only the office space, but the vibe inside. You yeah. know, a lot of youth. I'm I'm a little older compared to <laughs> compared to all the youngsters. So there's a there's a vibe inside that it's uh, we're on the go. It's I hate to say startup because the Sounders get forty thousand a game, sure, but it's kind of like a startup. I mean, everyone's there all the time. We're grinding away and having a good time and the passion, the sounder. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's interesting to me because, it, I mean, you say, you know, it's a successful startup is mm-hmm. what it sort of feels like because you branch out and you lose the the safety net of the Seahawks, of the NFL kind of being there. I'm sure it's it feels real startup-y yeah, at that point. Yeah, I, I think that... You know, I don't want to speak for the the uppers, the upper management, but the time was right. I mean, it, they were ready. Every the Sounders were ready. It was uh, deemed the most successful franchise to begin in the U.S. history in 2009. You know, when people 33, 35 thousand are going, it was deemed like the best fra- expansion franchise to ever start in American sports. Yeah. So. Uh, five years later, six years later, they moved down to uh, Jackson down there, and, and it is. It's an awesome vibe. It's so cool. It's so close to the stadium. You guys can march to the – well, you probably can't because you're busy already, but yeah. the staff can come down and march to the match with everybody. And, yeah. uh, well, not only that, but Pioneer Square. Yeah. Again, nothing against the VMAC because it's awesome, but it's it's kind of a standalone over there in, yeah. in Renton. But downtown, you know, you got Occidental Park. You got Pioneer Square. There's cool shopping. Not to sound like I'm in on the city of commerce, you know, the uh, <laughs> hey, city council. It's but take. It's yeah. cool. But there's so many cool places to check out and plenty of lunch. Oh, man. There's a teriyaki place over there that the Sounders people took me once upon a time. Yes. The the spicy chicken. Yes. It's right around the corner. Super good. Packed at lunch, and you get it in about six minutes. (laughs) That's incredible. It's awesome. The place is crazy. So (laughs) you know a lot about the area because you're a guy that's from the Seattle area. Yep. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in what is now Shoreline. So I grew up in Richmond Beach. Okay. Went to Einstein Middle School and Shorewood High School. So North End. Dad is still in the same house 50 years later. So I'm a North End uh, from the North End of Seattle. And uh, 
and kind of never really went to Western, sort of. <laughs> you know, if I think listeners can understand what sort of means. To be fair, I think everyone sort of goes to Western when they're in Bellingham. So, well, yeah, let's, let's leave it at that. But yeah, sure. yeah I had a blast and, and uh, born and raised in Seattle, and now I'm working for the hometown team. Is the I don't know why I just now de- deduced, deducted this. Um, yeah. Is Bellingham sort of a soccer city? There's plenty of soccer up there. You know, I don't, so I, I'm not, I'm not a, um, how do I say soccer defender? Like if someone doesn't like a nil, nil draw, yeah. I'm not the guy that's going to say, oh yeah, but, but, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, all right. That's my, fine. My, a buddy of mine's not a soccer guy. And, and I remember a nil, nil draw a couple of years ago. That was amazing. Right. So I love soccer, but so come full circle. That question is the whole Puget Sound region is a soccer region. Sure. You know, the whole area, Bellingham, Seahome High School, only because my uncle taught there for 30 years, so I know. <laughs> but Seahome High School has had some awesome soccer teams all the way down uh, Camas, Camas High School down in Vancouver, down in southern southern Washington, awesome soccer team. So there's soccer all over this region. I mean, it's the biggest participatory sport in, in the state. So I don't know if you can pinpoint Bellingham, but Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon's a huge soccer soccer region, so up and down I-5. I feel like guys that want to go keep playing soccer after high school and stuff end up at Western sometimes. Yeah, Western, yeah Western's a good school. My, my brother went there. I see. All right. I'm a little slow. It's early this morning. Uh, yes. Western's always had a pretty decent program. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, what is it? What do you think the? I mean, so you're lucky enough to have grown up here and to have participated and like seen the Sounders and all these different iterations and yeah. and soccer throughout the region, and so you got to see it kind of like bubble up and become a strong thing. What were the conditions that went into that that makes it so favorable for there to be such a strong soccer community here? You know what's funny is in 2009, I asked my dad. I said, Dad, why did we go? Why did we go to soccer games? in the 80s, in the 70s. And and he was like, what? And I said, well, why did we go? Why soccer? And he said, well, one, you guys, my brother and I, my brother was a very good youth soccer player. I tried and I still try, <laughs> but we played. And so he said, you, you kids were playing and we wanted to watch soccer at the highest level. We were watching back in the day, you watch soccer made in Germany and uh, Toby Charles and you watch that you watch soccer. And, and so when it came in the 70s, my parents had season tickets at Memorial Stadium. Oh, cool. And, and so we went to games at Memorial then at the Kingdom and obviously to CenturyLink, but it was just something you did. When you were five years old in Seattle, you played soccer. Five or six years old, everybody played soccer. Now, some didn't stick with it, sure. but you played. It was one of the sports that you tried. And again, like our team played just last night. Still, at, we're playing over 40. We're trying. <laughs> and um, But that's something you did. So it was kind of ingrained. And then, honest to God, I don't know how to explain it except for it becomes an addiction. It, it does. It becomes an addiction. There's huge matches all this week, whether it's Champions League or Europa League, and then there's MLS or, you know, your favorite European team on the weekend. So I think it just kind of, it kind of, you're just kind of living with it when you're young. And then you just, it just kind of, I don't know, you just can't help it. That's why I say addiction. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me because everywhere, like when I, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, okay, that has no business being in any sports town except for <laughs> gunfighting or something. <laughs> But AYSO, American Youth Soccer Organization, that was a big deal with the reversible jerseys and the uh, yeah. and that was a thing that we did there. And even there, everyone, all the kids played soccer. And then you get to a certain age where you played soccer for like to tire the kids out or something like that. But everyone loved the Dallas Cowboys. That was like sure. the, that was, sure. or the Denver Broncos. That was the trade off there. And it, I don't know why it never connected and why it is now. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think every region's different. I think it's just like uh, when we're trying to explain why Seattle's so big, and and someone from Chicago is like, "How come the Chicago Fire don't draw? It's a massive city. How come the Chicago Fire don't draw what the Sounders do?" Well, yeah. you come to a Sounders game, you go to Sounders game, you see the families there, and yeah. and it's an outing. It's you know, it's only two hours long, and you come and go. I don't know Seattle and this area. You grew up playing soccer and you just stuck with it. I mean, look at GSSL and and the other the other leagues up north and all around. I mean, it's packed. The the parks are packed. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Green Lake. Drive around Green Lake. Sure. And it's and co-ed and and people are out there playing soccer. Tons of indoor and like, absolutely. Uh, and Starfire is such a fantastic facility. It's like eleven fields or something yeah. like that. And yep. um, you see all the kids playing and all the tournaments on the weekends and stuff. We, we got a chance to try our hand at a little goofing off. Doing some soccer commentating last year for S two, my uh, pal oh, John right Manley on. and I down the hall. We did a few of the games. It was kind of a, a hype move by the Sounders to get some people, more people interested. Yeah. Super fun. But every time we'd walk in, there was a ten thousand, well, a thousand kids running around playing soccer. <laughs> When we got there, and it was yeah. like, my God, this is for real. Yeah. This is yeah. a facility where someone's invested. The MLS, I think, is investing in each city and stuff. And so it's cool to see the connection, the dots being connected yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think for Seattle, it's not... It's nothing new, and and that's that's, that's not arrogance. and nothing new. I mean, again, the Sounders when they started in '74, I remember going. I mean, it was you talk to people in their 40s, they went to Memorial Stadium. So that there's 40,000 at CenturyLink Field doesn't. I don't want to say again. It, I don't want to come across arrogant or whatever, but it's not super surprising because there was 25, 30,000 at the Kingdom in 1982. Wow. When when the team was rolling, and so you just kind of move that up. And my brothers, you know, my dad was a fan, my brother's a fan, and he's got five kids that are fans. So it's three generations now that are, that are Sounder fans. Now, you worked with the Seahawks. I'm guessing you got to go to several like Super Bowls and some playoffs, yeah. and yep. like you're doing on broadcast team. You're yep. at those things. A, did you get a ring? Yes. Yeah. Yes. For Super Bowl 48. Very flattered, yeah. Got, That's incredible. Uh, got a ring, got a championship ring, unfortunately, when we lost to uh, New England, and I'd still say we. Uh, yeah, the, the Seahawks' um, memories are unbelievable. Went to three Super Bowls as a worker. I've been to four total. Uh, but uh, yeah, two were obviously disappointing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a ring. I'm flattered by it. I don't know why the. I honestly don't know why the radio producer gets a ring, but I got a ring, the same exact ring as the players. And oh, that's um, cool. but that's the owner. You know, that's the owner, Mr. Allen, who takes care of his uh, takes care of his employees. And so I got a ring and. It's awesome. So, but that's not the only. I've just from picking around on the internet a little bit. That's not the only championship level stuff you've been to. You've been to the World Cup, not like just once, but like several times. No, it's, right? it's bizarre. Yes, um, and no, I'm not rich. So we went to the <laughs> final. We went to the semifinal. My brother and I, as a fellow radio person, I can vouch <laughs> for that. Yeah, yeah, and both our dress <laughs> apparel right now. No, in '94, my brother and I were lucky enough to go to the semifinal and final down at the Rose Bowl. So the final in '94 for those old enough was kind of a boring match. Brazil and Italy went to penalty kicks, so on and so forth. My cousins were there. It's a big party uh, for a week, the whole thing. We've never been invited back to the co- with the cousins, by the way. <laughs> but on the way home, I'm kind of sleeping, and my brother's like, hey, 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 why don't we just do this every four years? And it was that easy. So there we go. Off to France in 98, yeah. Korea, Germany, South Africa, um, and then Brazil last year. So I've been to the last six I've been to about 40, 45 World Cup matches, and they're just something you don't have to like soccer. You got to go to a World Cup. And it's not 
super ex- now germany was expensive sure but it's not crazy expensive it's a f- carnival it's a festival everyone in brazil i was lucky enough to stay with a family for four more days while my brother and everyone left and i was in rio and it was it was unbelievable but i've been to a champions league final in wow. moscow russia been to a uh, what they used to call it an uefa cup final been to an fa cup final so i'm addicted i i'm on that i'm on that far end so i love going to see it and that just came from we got home from the 98 world cup and my brother and i found a flight we went to england and saw five games in eight days and went all around england and just got tickets off the streets and and said, "Wow, this is where it's at." What what clubs did you see in England? What uh, stadiums? In yeah, England? we went um, we went to Chelsea, who was hosting Tottenham, which was unbelievable. Uh, West- Can't believe I'm going to say this, but go Chelsea! Ugh, oh, really? I'm a because I'm a you're an Arsenal fan. fan. Yeah, yeah okay, I was going to say Spurs are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but last weekend it was heartbreaking uh, for you. Um, I got I got I went to get on the uh, I was taking a flight on Saturday, and so I was watching on my phone as I was leaving, and Spurs scored right as my reception went away as I was going down into the bus tunnel and I came back and the first image I saw as I was getting out was them scoring again and I'm like come on yeah. and that's a red a, card to yeah. midfielder oh my god that's crazy. yeah Sorry. Uh, no so so we went to West Ham went to and that's what, how I love West Ham is went to a game six games that was five games that was the only place we couldn't get two tickets next to each other oh wow and so it was West Ham when what they used to call a Worthington Cup replay so the Worthington Cup turned into the Capital One Cup okay. all those little tournaments so so um, that was versus Aston Villa. Went up to Newcastle, and I think uh, they played Sunder. No, Arsenal at Old Highbury before oh, yeah, they went yeah. to Emirates. Went and saw them. Uh, they destroyed, I think, Sunderland, Newcastle with Alan Shear, and and that was a thrill because cool. he was the English international, unbelievable. And uh, there's another one in there I can't remember. Okay, so you've had some experience going to see these teams. What I'm building at is a, a resume here of all the. T- things that you've oh, absorbed soccer-wise yeah. here. You've been yeah. all over the world to yeah. see soccer played or football played um, on all these different levels. And the MLS is just now starting to get to the point where it's keeping up or it's or where it's catching up or mm-hmm. it's becoming... How cool is it to be able to see these players... Uh, in England playing, and now some of them are coming to America and signing yeah. with the big coastal city clubs and starting to, even though it might be at the sunset of their career. Some of them, sure. And, and actually, so the MLS is now, it just turned 21 years old, and so the players are coming over with a few more years left than when they did you know, 15 years ago when they came with one year left or two sure. years left. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Pirlo in New York, Lampard, Gerard, uh, some of these guys that are coming over and adding. And, and then what they're doing is they're, you know, like the old commercial, they're telling two friends and so on because yeah. they're coming over and saying, no, the league is actually pretty good because I think the European, the thought over in Europe is that uh, it's just kind of, it's it's really rough. It's kind of tumble. It's it's not technically that good. And so these players, Steven Gerrard's been, uh, Robbie Keane from LA has been telling his guys Back, back in Europe. No, this is actually a really good league. You work hard. You can get a few dollars. You're in the sunshine down in L.A., what have you. So it's cool. You know, the team, the Sounders are only eight years old. So it takes a while. It takes a while. But, yeah, the MLS has come a long way in the last five. Where do you stand on the Sounders playing on an artificial surface when these other guys are coming from Europe upset about that? Well, I mean... Look at our weather. I mean, there's things that you there's things you can't control. And if there was a grass field at Century Link, it would be 
atrocious. Whether even if the Seahawks weren't there, let's say it was just the Sounders, it'd be horrible. It'd well, I mean, be horrible how do they do to play in England, on. though. That's the, that's always my. I'm always like, what's so different about London and Seattle? I don't know if the rainfall is that significantly yeah, no. different. Well, they play once a week. Sure. They play 90 minutes once a week. Nobody's on that except for the uh, the the caretaker of the uh, yeah, yeah. of the of the field. Some and it's ridiculous. Guy. I mean, yeah. it is it is like a golf course. I've been on a field in England one time. It's like a golf course, and so I would think when they slide that the the superintendent of the of the park is like, oh no, no, <laughs> get up, you know, but. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's just there isn't much different. I mean, astute of you, London and Seattle is is very similar <laughs> weather wise. Sure. But once a week, that's it. And so I think that's that's the difference. So you get a lot of radio background as well. You're not just a soccer guy that has uh, that experience, not just from production, but you also you're a KGR guy and yeah. from yep. old school. You, yeah, that's you... how I lost the hair. That's how I <laughs> joke. No, um, so I went to a little broadcast school in Spokane. And it was kind of like a Votech, and I was done in... Sorry uh, to hear that. What's that? I said, sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, actually, <laughs> since I'm not book smart, and I couldn't sit in a college class, uh, this was my way in. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so in, what was it, June of 96, I got an internship at KJR and just worked my way up. Did the old overnights. Oh, yeah. Back when it wasn't all computerized. Yeah, yeah. There, a human being had to be in the building. So I did that for a couple of years and started working and, and producing shows and got on their morning show. And I kind of was a bit guy on the morning show yeah. and had my own show after John Clayton and, and worked there about 10 years before I went to the, had a great opportunity from the Seahawks. Okay. So how do you, how do you get approached then, or how do you convince them to let you do what you did for those first five years of the Sounders to be a pre halftime and post match guy and to run the Sounders weekly show and to be able to do that? Where does that come from? How do you arrange that? Well, I think it was because of my background at KJR. So I was I had on air experience. They knew I loved soccer. Yeah. And so when I went to the Seahawks, I was done with being on air. I was I was solo just uh, just an off-air, behind-the-scenes guy. And so I think it was a mutual, hey, Matt, you want to do this? I'm like, are you serious? Get back on the air and, and do a pregame show for, for the Sounders? Absolutely. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody. And they must have had a hunch that it was going to be successful based on the tickets that they sold beforehand, but you don't know how the city's going to react to that no, or what you to know do what? or how not, to handle it. Not to speak for the executives, but I was flattered enough to be in a bunch of the meetings early on in in the summer and fall of 2008. And it was, well, if we get 8,000 season ticket holders, that'd be awesome. And then when it goes, and I mean, people were people were like, okay, now what is the number where everyone's happy? Well, what is it, 10? And I don't recall. Sure, whatever. It, was it 10 or whatever? And then that week when they went on sale and it went 8, 10, 12, 15, 18, and it got to a point where I remember Todd Lewicki, I remember hearing the story after the after the fact, and John Rizzardini and Gary Wright and Joe Roth, who's the majority owner at the Sounders, they were talking about, well, we have to cap it at some point. And that's that's crazy, you know, 22, 26. And, and I want to say the, the original attendance was 28 or 32, right in there. And it had to be capped because you, you want the public to be able to buy tickets sure. either game day or first certain games and things like that. But then... You know, then I want to say now it's 32,000 season ticket holders. But no, th- there was no idea that this would blow up like it did. That's kind of the fun of it. That was kind of like you're, it's organically growing right in front of you, like yeah. just through phone calls. Like, what is going on? Uh, my my Sounders experience is that I was living in Vegas at the time, and I uh, I interviewed for a job. Congratulations here. on getting out, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It is a cesspool that grabs onto you like tar. 
But I was able to escape. Um, but I came up here for a job interview, and it was right at the peak Sounders marketing before the inaugural season. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, maybe what's called a January, December or January before sure. that. And everyone, the city looked like it was ready for the Sounders to yep. happen, uh, and that was very exciting because obviously the city was hurt by the Sonics leaving, and this was like the perfect thing and a great marketing job. And everyone just kind of came together for this thing. And I remember not getting the job in time to be here for the first match, and just shooting a text message to the guy here and being like. Like, wow, that New York Red Bulls Sounders game looks incredible on TV. It looks like Europe. Um, and then two weeks later, finally getting the job locked down and being able to move out here for one of the first games and being able to juxtapose sitting in Vegas that knows nothing uh, about soccer and yeah. then being there in the person, in the flesh, to see everyone, kids and and uh, crazy people in one end and old people. It was so fun to be able to watch that happen. Did you feel some sort of like... Or what was the feeling like when you saw a Sounder squad that you had been representing since 74? Well, not to sound super cheesy, but honestly, honestly, when you just said and you just described the opening game right there, I got tingly because I remember what it was. I remember, so I'm going on the air with really like legends who I thought were legends, Pete Fewing, Cliff McGrath, and Alan Hinton. And I'm doing a pregame show with three guys that, that I knew all about their careers and it's time to talk and I couldn't talk. I was like hyperventilating because I'm a I'm a soccer geek and yeah. I loved it and here it is. It's a packed house. It's New York is a good team. They end up winning three nothing. And so it was just it was I, I was so flattered to be a part of it. Yeah, sure. You, you know what I mean? I mean, not only so you take everything we've just been talking about from the area, playing soccer, very involved, and then involved with the team, you know, six, eight months before, then here's opening night and I'm here and you know, I don't want to say teary-eyed because that'd be a bit of an exaggeration, but um, it, it was just, it was it was amazing. Still to this day, when I hear the call and respond of Seattle and then Sounders yeah. in the crowd, that first time it hits where everyone, like, just the other night at the opening match. How loud was oh, that? And it, and it chills, man. Yep. It's so, oh, it's, yep. it's a fantastic environment to be in. What was the response like? Did the crowd immediately know that you were a guy that was, um, back in 2009, that you were a guy that was integrated within the Seattle soccer community were they were they excited for you or did anyone even know what to make of it no i you for me personally yeah. you know, about me no well one social media wasn't nearly as big in sure. 2009 and and people were like oh okay and i would host some things and things like that but still even to this day i'm not a big Hey, what are people saying about me, kind of guy? Sure, it's just kind of. I looked at your Twitter. You, I think you were last active like six years ago, back in two thousand nine. Yeah, that's when I opened the account. Yeah, um, but but it was just kind of. I think everybody was just happy to be a part of it. So every it was kind of like a mini family. It was just kind of like, yeah. here we go. Hum, 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 hum. That's how the crowd felt at the yeah. stadium. That everyone yeah. was stoked to have this thing, and there yeah. was a lot of detractors. I, I felt like there was a lot of fans of the Seahawks that were like, screw soccer, that's for wimps or whatever. And then there was a lot of people proud to be there and to like to yeah. take scarves with them and be I, I a think part to of a that thing. Point, I think there's separation now. Yeah, I mean it's now. Uh, what do we say? Eight years in, so eight years, and it's forty thousand a game. So it's not a fluke, and that kind of goes back to our conversation. Fifteen minutes. It's not a fluke. It's not going away. And I don't mean that again. I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just that it's here to stay. Yeah. And Adrian and Bart and these guys want to win a championship. Ziggy, they want to win a championship, and that's that's what they want to do. They continue. I mean, they've been in the playoffs every year. You know, only LA's had this kind of streak of being in the playoffs sure. this many years in a row. So it's just kind of like. 
you're into soccer, great. If you're not, okay, cool. Again, I'm not a soccer defender, as in, yeah. let's get an argument down at the teriyaki stand down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, you don't like it, you don't like it. But I'm going to go, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to love it for what it is for me, and then I'm going to go about go along my way. But I don't know, back in 09, I just remember it kind of being, not like a fraternity, but this like togetherness for everybody, saying, man, it's back, let's see what we can do. And it was everywhere. It was all over everywhere. the city, and everyone yeah. was so proud of it. And then you would watch matches where the Sounders would travel and there would be 4,000 people at yeah. them or 6,000 and now the league Wait, average- people would puff their chest out about right I mean Sounder fans would be like yeah. nope not here not in Bridgeview Illinois there's 8,000 people because it's so far out of Chicago yeah. or, or, or in Chivas Dallas USA and, where there's yeah. more Sounders supporters that traveled with the ECS right. travel monkeys and which stuff we haven't even there. talked about that I mean regardless of what groups are part of the Sounders fans how they travel yeah. I mean down to Honduras down to Mexico City a couple weeks ago I mean that is a whole nother their subject that that sounder fans love to go watch their squad play yeah and it's a great excuse like you've done it sounds like to travel and go see a different place see, and have is. some that's, fun that's, doing that's, it that's you just it's an excuse to either like my brother and i always say it's an excuse to travel the world yeah and, and we go see the world cup but we'll all go see uh huge history in germany and go visit we were in east germany and these guys were telling us how how good it was with the wall up and we're like what Whoa. what are you talking about it was while well, everything was equal we didn't have to. We didn't have to work as hard. We didn't have to whatever. And we're like, what? Wow, we have the exact what? opposite what? perception. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking? No, we. I mean, well, no, it's all different. And you've been to South Korea, Japan. I'm yeah. guessing then, like yep. that's South a- Korea was awesome. That might have been my favorite. So there was a ticket scandal going on in Japan. So we decided just go to South Korea for 11, 12 days. Well, at the time, their dollar was getting beat by our dollar, like five to one. Oh. So we were rich. It was in a good a political climate. So if you saw a six foot, six foot two. Uh, American, yeah. uh, they treated us just like kings. Oh, cool. And we'd go into places and people were so nice and it was cheap. And we got to 11 matches in 11 days. Oh, wow. And I mean, big time. I mean, Spain and Italy. And I mean, it was <laughs> it was awesome. And, and the travel was simple. The trains and the subways. And I mean, yeah, Korea was... I watched that one from an apartment in Tucson, Arizona with no cable because I was working just such a crap radio job. No cable in Spanish at locally the games would start at 11 o'clock at midnight and we would stay up I was working a night shift at that time so we would stay up till 8am watching all three matches throughout the four weeks of the World Cup or whatever it's like I have that is the Spanish language Korea to me speaks Spanish as far as I'm concerned because (laughs) I'm watching that no yeah our whole goal at all these World Cups is go to one game live and then you watch the other two at a pub and you just meet people from all around the world we're just doing the same thing yep Exactly. Uh, and so everybody's friendly. They're all on vacation. You know, you'll meet someone whose team just got destroyed. Slovenia just gets destroyed and you're just hanging out having a Budweiser with them. <laughs> it's just hysterical. <laughs> hysterical. So, All right. So let's come around the turn now and talk about how you went from a guy that has been producing these shows. You've been hosting various different Sounders programs over the years and stuff. But now this is a totally different game that you're involved yeah, in. Yeah. You landed this gig. They, for the first time ever, they split up the responsibility between television and radio into two different jobs, which is cool because talking to Ross about it, he was calling it for TV when of he was course. on TV and yes. people listening on the radio would be like, what happened? Because he was doing his responsibility to the bigger audience. Yes. That's cool. So the Sounders have decided to split that up and go into two different directions. Mm-hmm. And you got the call to go do that. A guy that, to my knowledge, has not done a lot of zero soccer commentating. Zero play-by-play. Okay, so walk me through how this all came together and, and why, forgive me, why they would choose a dude with no experience. Amen, brother. 
Yeah. When I get the call, so uh, since uh, since I'm under contract, I can tell this story. Sure. So I get the call, and I'm literally thinking that the gentleman's calling me about something else. And, and yeah, I could get you tickets to you, Tuesday's game. Okay, <laughs> fine. And, and uh, he said, hey, I'd like you to think, you know, would you consider doing our radio play-by-play? And I, and I think my answer was, what? You know, it was like, and I just kind of just kind of sunk in and and I just had to think about that, you know, because immediately I'd say yes, but hold it. Am I really going to leave the Seahawks? I have zero, I have zero experience doing play-by-play. I know what it sounds like. I've worked, I've been lucky enough to work with Rabel the last 11 years. Sure. Um, so on and so forth. So, um, well, here's, let's just talk about it and think about it. And so we just went step by step by step and I kept thinking, okay, I know what it would sound like. I know what it should sound like. Can I, do I have the gift of gab? Do I have, can I put those words together? And I kept thinking, yeah, yeah, it's going to be difficult and it's, there's going to be mistakes. Right. And, and they're like, we're all behind it. We want a Seattle voice. They flattered me. It was very flattering to be, to be honest with you, getting off the phone. I was like, you know, literally did that just, that phone call just happen. And I called the confidant immediately, and I just said, you won't believe the phone call I just had. And they're like, what? And I said, well, the sounders called. They're they're wondering if I'm interested in doing play-by-play. And and this person said, are you kidding? And immediately they said, you're going to do it, aren't you? And I said, I, I think so. Yeah. But, I mean, I I have to consider it, right? So there's there was you know plenty of hate to say the you get the yellow piece of paper out with pros and cons, but um, it's just an awesome opportunity. No experience. So the joke I've had is everyone. The funny question is everyone asks you, "Are you nervous?" I don't know if you got that at the beginning of your radio career, or sure. You know, at the beginning you're just BSing on the mic, and and then you get used to it, right? Yeah. And that's your surrounding. So everyone would ask me, "Are you nervous?" And my joke would be, "I'm not nervous at all. I'm." That's not the joke part. I'm like, no, but my boss might be, <laughs> you know, because he hired a guy with no experience. Yeah. So that's that's all I kept coming back to was, no. I mean, it's a soccer game. It's a soccer game and I'm going to paint a picture if I, I think I can do it. So let's try it. And I've got four games under my belt now. And it for me, I keep on getting more and more relaxed and you know what that's like. And so more and more relaxed and, and uh, made mistakes, but I know they're very correctable and uh, we'll just go from there. Ah, that's incredible. Now, yeah. if you had it your way, to me, as a guy who talks on the radio every day, okay, to me, if I had to choose between the two and not for vanity reasons or audience reasons, I would go television because you can let the game paint its own picture. Yeah. How, are you happy that you got the radio? Obviously, you're grateful, okay? Yeah, Let's God, establish that's that. That's a great question. I've never thought of that. Um, I'm a radio guy. Yeah. I, I guess my answer is I've done, this is 20 years in radio now, and I just assumed radio, right? So... I never thought of that. Um, I, I'm, I'm ex- when I did some interviews with the Seattle Times and things, and they asked me about it, and are you nervous? I'm like, no, I'm. Ex- it's exhilarating. Yeah, you know, it's still when you get on the air and you pull off some really cool stuff. Yeah, you get off the air like that's what it's supposed to sound like, right? Twenty years later, yes, yeah, exactly. Get excited so you goes still, right. yeah. you know, of course, your hours are funky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, there's there's challenges, but. But I'm already feeling that 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 tingle of before the game against Kansas City, man, I was like, my boss was like, you were tough to talk to. I said, well, how about we do this? No offense. Don't talk to me 15 minutes before I go on the air. I'm so excited. You know, I'm, yeah. I love soccer. I'm doing play by play. And so um, I, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought, OK, paint the picture for Sounder fans. If you're listening to me on the radio, you want to know what your team score is. Is sure. there anyone injured? 
What's my team score again? Yeah. What time is left? Again, what's the score? <laughs> yeah. You know, how much time do we have left to score? Yeah. You know, that's what they want to know, and they want to know the chances and what's Dempsey doing and Valdez and Morris and and so um, I, I'm just excited that that's the that's the part I'm playing. In the last few weeks, you've obviously been attending a lot of practices and getting familiarized with the team. How much did your knowledge base increase just by being there every day? Well, that was. That's what I loved for the pregame show. That's what I would do anyways. Okay. I would go down and listen to coach talk after every single practice uh, because obviously they're at Starfire and the VMAC is just down 405. So I would go. I think that's a fun part of it. Yeah. You see the players. You see the rhythm. Um, you see you know, see who's cranky one day or see who's kind of playing grab ass, as I'd like to say, playing around and yeah. see their personalities. I was lucky enough to go to L.A. for four days and be with the team Um their last week of preseason and kind of see him off the field and see that Aaron Kovar, young Aaron Kovar would hang out with Chad Marshall and, and uh, Darwin Jones would hang out with Dempsey. And I find that interesting. You know, these young guys hanging out with these older veterans learning. So I think it's just being around the team is important. I think if you soak it all in and you're open and you see what's going on, you kind of, Hmm, take that in, take that in, not necessarily for the air, but just for, for information to put back in the back of your head. I think it was you that did this interview that really got me stoked about it. Something you picked up on. It was Chad Barrett was with the team, uh, and he is a guy who's sweatier than any other person yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And, and I remember listening to the pregame show, or or maybe it was the Sounders FC Weekly or whatever, and him talking about drinking pickle juice. That's right. Your memory's awesome. It's such a random thing. My memory's yeah. terrible, actually, but this is a random story. Yeah. And then when I would see him, and he would be soaked to the bone. And I'd be like, I hope he had his pickle juice this morning. Yeah. Like, that's every before the match. Soaked to the bone. He would come in in the 83rd minute and take his shirt off in the 92nd and be just soaking wet. Yeah. Chad Barrett was a good, he was a good veteran. The the, uh, I, the Sounders will miss uh, someone like Chad Barrett. He's a good guy, good in the locker room. But uh, those are the kind of little things. So that Saturday show, we do it every Saturday at 8 a.m. That was fun. You yeah. know, that, that was just kind of fun and learning the other side. Guys, you know, if I were to interview you about your morning show, you'd be like, eh. You know, you tune out, but what are you interested in? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you talk to these pro athletes and what they're interested off the field. Generally, that's where the interview kind of blossoms. All I know is that if I talk to Clint Dempsey, I'm going to ask him about fishing. That's the, that's the, yeah. like, I love fishing. Good. His birthday was what, yesterday? Yeah. Birthday was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Clint, Clint's a cool dude. Uh, he, he's a cool dude. He's not a big fan of doing too many interviews yeah. and he likes to play soccer. Yeah. Right, and most soccer players. I used to think this about Nate Jaqua, if you remember that name. Of course, Nate Jaqua and a bunch of these soccer players are like surfer dudes who are really good at soccer. Sure, they're just laid back. They're laid back guys that are really good at soccer. That's what I've come across. And they all shack up together in like a couple houses and stuff, and and hang out after after yeah. the practices and games together. Yeah. yeah. Now you're um, sadly it's. Uh, your position has been created by, and there's a shadow looming over what you're doing this year, and that's we've said goodbye to Ross Fletcher, a voice that was synonymous with Absolutely. the Seattle Sounders. How has it been to step into that, to that, uh, to that? I guess it's a hole now that's been left. Well, it's by a that. talent, right? It, yeah, it's a talent. It's daunting. Uh, before that was Arla White. When I was again, when I was just being moved around and introducing myself to Seattle, someone asked me about, "Hey, you know who's done this job?" Is is I mean, he was talking about Bob Robertson and Wayne Cody, and and I think Bob Rondo had a year. Well, these are legends, right? And I remember Kevin Calabro. People kind of picked on him, but he did his homework and and he worked his he worked his butt off trying to do it. And but but yeah, I'm 
my answer is I'm going to be myself. Yeah. Yeah. Ross is outstanding. Arlo's doing national things. Um, Kevin Clabro will go in some basketball hall of fame of, of play by play and, and Bob Robertson, all these names. I'm just going to be myself. I, I can't do anything. I mean, Ross, I mean, I've already had goals that, that happened. And later in the evening, the goals that were called, I was thinking, how would Arlo do that? How would Ross do that later? Kind of retrospectively. And sure. I was thinking, no, get out of your head. Cause you can't do, that's not good for you. I just got to do it how I'm going to do it, and and we'll just go, and I'll be myself, and it could be a little sarcastic, and hopefully it's a little funny, and and you just kind of go about it. So, yeah, that's tough, man. It, it's tough filling it's, shoes. Yeah, big shoes to fill, but at the Heck same yeah. time, it's an amazing amount of trust that's been put into you by somebody who's confident in your ability. So yeah, which again comes back to being flattered by the opportunity, and then not letting them down, not letting the fans down. Yeah. So paint the picture for the fans. So next time I'm driving down uh, I-5 towards Portland or something like that, when there's a match on and I can't be, uh, can't be there. Yeah. Well, now you have my phone number, so I'm worried about the text that I'm going to get. You know, oh I'm, Matt, I, you blew that. I don't know where the ball is, Matt. I'm ruthless, Gregor. ruthless too. It's... <laughs> yeah, you look it. Thanks for coming in. Dude. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at Gregor1077 and find more episodes online at 1077theend.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog, Joe. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com.